Matter, where we do all we can to worship God in spirit and in truth. I'm your host, Sean McCraney. Have a great show tonight, a great guest, a couple guests, actually. We're going to start off introducing my friend. I just met him a couple days ago from uh, where, what part of Arizona? Mesa, Arizona. Mesa, Arizona. It's Christian Nielsen. Uh, he's a good friend of Larry Norris, who we had on the show uh, a couple months ago. And uh, they have been friends since they were kids. And uh, actually, his, is it your aunt? Yep, great aunt. His great aunt donated a beautiful uh, car to the ministry, and these guys drove it up from Arizona, right. and uh, we really appreciate that. Any words to share with the audience? Um, I love my Auntie Donna. I love Larry Norris. Uh, w without them, I wouldn't be here right now. They set up this trip for me, so it was really nice to get away from the valley for a while, and I appreciate that. Praise God. Thanks for being on the show. Of course. All right. Listen, uh, applause. Dave thinks that was all for him, but no, I'm just kidding. What? I thought it was. <laughs> hey, uh, this Sunday here at the Studio Church, we're having our open water, annual open water baptism, heart in the parking lot, and uh, we will be having a hot dog barbecue 11.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m., two hours. Come join us. You don't have to come here and show up if you want. If you want to be baptized, want to baptize somebody, show up here, and we'd love to see you. We are going to be blessed with an interview of my youngest daughter next week. That's Delaney McCraney coming back from Michigan uh, where she's studying. And then after that, we're going to have the Walquist couple, Rick and Carrie Walquist, who have been through some unique stuff coming out of Mormonism. In fact, let me just cover this really quickly. Dave, excuse me for one second. Yeah, go ahead. Let me cover uh, the board. Uh, what we have is we have the Wheel of Fortune, or p perhaps maybe the Wheel of Misfortune. Depends on how you see it. But we have had a number of guests, and it's really getting in interesting because uh, uh, our first guest was Joey Scoma, and he is a reincarnated version of Jesus, of uh, Joseph Smith. Joey was LDS. In fact, everybody on here except one was LDS, and we're looking to see where they're going. What's going on with them? So we have Joey Scoma. He is uh, reincarnated. We have uh, uh, Bryce Blankenagel. He's an atheist. Uh, we have Larry Norris. He is a sold-out Christian. We have Rock Waterman, who follows Denver Snuffer. Um, not listed up here is John DeLynn, and John told me he would be on, but I'm not getting communication from him yet, so I'm waiting to hear. We'll see what he, where he fits in. Earl Erskine, sold-out believer for Christ. We have Warren Puckett, sold-out believer for Christ and an anti-religionist. Warren and I, we share similar views on that. We have uh, Suzanne Puckett, sold-out believer for Christ. We have Richard Dutcher, who is a quiet, uh, reserved, earthy Christian. We met him last week. Tonight, we're going to learn about a fascinating story of somebody who was LDS. And, and other things, and is now kind of looking in some other areas. We're going to hear from Dave Bartosowitz on that. Delaney McCraney, we'll hear hers. 
Rick and Carrie Walquist, we'll hear from them. Mark Pazan, he's the only one who wasn't former Mormon, but he's going to bring an important thing to the evangelical world of where he's been and where he is now because I think it's important. Jason Rapich, very interesting. Mallory, my daughter. Mike Norton, he's new name Noah. Many people find him very controversial. Mike Norton will be here, and he does those temple films, secret, he does secret everything. And then we have Cassidy, who will be our 16th guest. We have uh, Danny Larson, our 17th, and we have Mary McCraney, our 18th guest. And that will end Heart of the Matter, the opening, how we run the show for 11 years, going to stop. And we're going to continue Heart of the Matter on October 31st. We're going to launch a whole new system of a bunch of different things, and we're going to let you know about that. But I just wanted to show you, that's our intent. What's happened with people, and what avenues are they going down once they leave Mormonism? And that brings me to our esteemed guest tonight. A number of years ago, I met Dave Bartoswitz. He was in and around the ministry. Uh, at that time, his uh, dear wife, who he, was, who he is still married to, hated my, gut, hated my guts. Uh, those of you who have watched all of our shows may remember we used to do commercials. Cassidy used to make these commercials, and we it was for uh, grain tea. Grain tea is fun. <laughs> grain tea HP by Dave. And this is the Dave. Yeah. He had that We just tried to promote it on the show when we were on television. Anyway, Dave Bartosowitz, go back where you came from, why you're here, where you're going. Well, first of all, I'm just really excited to be here, Sean. I look at both of us and I've seen we both are a lot bigger than we used to be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that doesn't end with me. <laughs> I know, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. And hey, um, some of you might know who I am, but when I take my glasses off, many times people don't know who I am. So I thought <laughs> maybe you would recognize me with these sunglasses so now I could take them off. Wow. I, um, oh, wait. Hey, where do you go? <laughs> Um, you know, I, I remember I was on your 300th. Uh, Were you? Yeah, your 300 show. It was oh, fun. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was fun. You know, it's, it's interesting. Anybody who knows me, there is a direct relationship with Sean and I because at, in about 2009, 2008, I started studying with Sean. And as a matter of fact, Earl's out there with Carla. Um, as a matter of fact, we were a very significant part of... Um, part of yeah. your Bible study, yeah. and it was, uh, it was a great experience uh, transferring our lives mm. to, to get to know Christ through you. So mm. I just want to thank you for all that you've done. Sean's a teddy bear for everybody who knows. He's a really softy. you got to get to know him. His mannerism, you know, is more for <laughs> entertainment purposes when he gets angry, but he is not <laughs> that way. He's a sweet, sweet I think guy. I've been angry probably in maybe, I think it's been about four years. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's been about four years. Yeah. So the Lord's working on me. You're a good man. Thanks, brother. Well, listen, um, you want me to talk about from the very, very beginning? Well, where you came from, mom and dad. Okay. Connecticut. Yeah. Connecticut. Um, I was a jock. I was an athlete. Um, I was a uh, person who was brought up Roman Catholic. I went to, <laughs> I went to mass at, at times in, in Connecticut. Um, but I got to be honest with you, I went to a junior Catholic high school, but I was one of those tough guys like you, oh, you oh. know, I, I was a ball player and, and I used to smoke cigarettes and um, in the bathroom and I got caught and the uh, nun at the Catholic school got quite upset with me and, uh -huh. and she put me in, 
like a, a room for a number of months and she didn't allow me to graduate <laughs> wow. from that Catholic school. And so I never graduated with the class, but uh, I was pretty upset. So I lifted up one of these uh, Volkswagen bugs on the sidewalk, a teacher's uh, oh. Volkswagen bugs <laughs> with another guy. So I, mischievous. That, I was, mis yeah, I was, I was sort of like that. I was always the type of person that always fought the rules. Mm -hmm. You know, if there mm -hmm. were rules, I wanted to break them, right? Mm -hmm. And um, what happened to me at the age of uh, being an athlete, I, I would literally, there was something that was connected to me with, with God in a, in a different sense than my brothers and sisters. Mm. An example of that, when I was like 13, 14, 15, I would play basketball. Everybody had, remember the white, the white socks mm -hmm. and, and the big white basketball Nike shoes that we mm -hmm. would have? Well, you know, they stunk, right? I mean, you play basketball, they're sweaty. At, you know, at night, and I would get out of, I would get into my bed, and I would always take my socks off and make a cross right huh. next to my bed huh. all the time. Fascinating. For years and years and years, I did that. The cross was a very, very significant symbol for me, even though I wasn't connected to a church, but it was very, very hmm. uh, significant to me. But I went to college, I went to college in Western Wyoming College in, in Wyoming, and, and uh, I was looking for God and didn't know who God was. I was sort of an agnostic for a number of years. And what happened was um, I asked God to, to let me know who he really was. So I had an experience where I was playing a tennis match, and um, I lost. I should have beat that guy. Mm. And I lost, and what happened was um, I went into a student union, and you know how God, I don't know if you know this or not, but God is mysterious, right? Mm. I don't look at him as an exalted man. He's mysterious. I mean, we call him he, but it's the spirit of God is powerful. And so what happened was I was in the student union. After I lost, I was depressed. And there was a guy who was reading the Bible. I saw the 700 Club on TV. And then a woman came over to me who was a janitor. And they asked me, do you know who Jesus is? Do you want to be saved? I go, I don't know anything about Jesus. But yeah, it sounds, like, it sounds good to me. And so in about another three minutes, we were talking. Three minutes later, a pastor came up while I was sitting in the student union. And he said, do you want to be saved? I said, yeah, I would like to. So we read Romans 10, 9. Oh. And after I read that, the Spirit of God came down and sealed me his. Mm. Literally, I was like, what just happened? Wow. And, and it was an amazing, holy, spiritual experience, like just scanned me. Mm. And I knew at that point I was, I was uh, sealed by the Holy Spirit. I was his child at that point. It was Praise a very God. powerful experience. So um, I was 19 and, and I had a photography teacher who was Mormon. And what happened was um, the pastor said, well, you should get into a church. I sort of prayed about it. And, and then I met, I was with my photography teacher. He started teaching me about Mormonism. I went down to Provo. He brought me there and I was at the Star Palace. Now, yeah. <laughs> anybody that You're dating yourself the, now, baby. Star Palace. 78? So, no, it was 80. Oh. It was 80, uh, 81, 82, uh -huh. somewhere around there. And so here I was dancing with these beautiful, uh, you know, beautiful white, uh, you know, LDS girls. Gold chain, yeah, open I was, shirt. There, I was Dave the Disco Dude. <laughs> yeah. And so <laughs> and so what happened was I, I really fell in love with like BYU. And um, I said, wow, this is, a, this is a really good place. You know, my, my roommate at Western Wyoming was smoking pot every day and I was in the room, in the bedroom, and I just got so tired of it that um, 
I saw that as an alternative, an opportunity to move me in a direction that I could be possibly come more, um, you know, like more, just more moral mm. and have more values, better values. I came from an environment that, that um, in, in Connecticut was a blue collar environment. My father was a factory worker, my mother was a secretary, a super mom, but there was alcoholism in that, in that mm -hmm. family. So I saw a lot of that. And I believe many people who are interested in Mormonism usually are dysfunctional with their family mm -hmm. and they have areas of incompleteness, that they're not really complete with their lives and they want something better. And I think Mormonism offers that opportunity for a lot of people. Mm. So when I started getting into Mormonism, I go, well, this seems like a, a really nice situation. But I went to apply at BYU a year later and I got accepted. Mm. And I went to BYU. And I was there for three years, had a great time. Uh, I was a different type of breed. I, was, uh, I, I had a bandana, I had John Lennon glasses, I, had, I, I looked like a bohemian from you know, oh. Yugoslavia or whatever. Oh. I, I looked like a completely different, you know, European. And, mm. and a lot of Mormons at BYU were like, you know, pretty straight and different. But I stood out from the crowd. I had, a, I had flutes and penny whistles, and I would hang out, <laughs> Spencer W. Kimball, that tunnel, and I would play. I was known as the flute man. And so, but Let's I would, go Dave to the flute to man. To the flute man, yeah. And, and literally, I was just a hippie. I was a hippie. Hmm. And, um, and, but I never accepted Mormonism at that time until, Oh, I was about 24, and a guy said to me, and I learned a lot about Mormonism, and uh, I had to take the Book of Mormon classes and all that stuff, and he said to me, he says, Dave, you've got to decide to decide. You know it's true. I didn't really know it was true, mm. but he, I felt like I was going to go to the Peace Corps. Mm. I was going to go in a different direction. I applied for it. and. I met with somebody who went to the Peace Corps and she became a Mormon. She says, don't go to the, go to the Peace Corps, it's very sexual and all that stuff. And I said, well, I'm going. No. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm playing around with that. I have to have some levity here, right? <laughs> so uh, what happened was I was in a position that I said, oh, okay, I'll, I'll become, you know, maybe I should become a Mormon. And so I prayed about it and um, I read uh, the first, I never read the Book of Mormon, but I read the first, what was it, the beginning of the Joseph Smith history. Mm. And I read, I don't know, three, four pages, and I prayed about it, and I said, okay, I'm gonna become a Mormon. Mm. I, felt, I felt good, I mm. felt like it was the right thing. But I went on a mission. I went on a mission, went to Mexico, went to the Yucatan Peninsula. Mm. I, I taught, um, these people taught me actually, but I mm. lived in huts, I lived in, um, I lived in, in this, uh, like villages and, you know, with the Mayan Indians, and I mm. learned Mayan and Spanish. Mm. After 13 months, I was almost 26 years old. Wow. I was in the MTC at 25, so I was an old man there. And yeah. I was like, I'm from Connecticut, and I'm thinking, what am I doing here? There's 19-year-old mm. kids, and I'm 26. Mm. I felt like I was ready to go. Mm. It was like during the 18-month mission, mm -hmm. and it was 13 months. So I basically prayed about it, and the Lord said, hey, you know, I love that you volunteered your life for me. And I went off with a backpack with a Yale t-shirt I had on, bandanas and glasses. I went to the mission home and I said, I need a prayer and, and we prayed and, and I'll never forget what happened was, he said, well, you can't leave on your own. We have to contact the Northern Church, the Brighamites, and we had to contact the Northern Church to let them know that you're leaving. So I had to talk to, I, I believe it was a Scott, Tom, no, Thomas Cook or a, a Cook, I can't remember. He was a general authority. Genar. Yeah, and he basically said, well, Bald, Elder Bartosowitz, he told me, he says, you know, if you leave, we're, 
we're going to give you a dishonorable, you know, charge. You're not going to be given this honor at home. And I said, that's okay. And he says, well, you know, you're going to have a problem too because a lot of the sisters uh, probably won't marry you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I said, I know who I am, so it's fine. Wow. You know, I, I feel like I don't think I have an issue with that. Mm -hmm. And literally, I left and I took a backpack and I hitchhiked all over Mexico and Guatemala. Wow. <laughs> Did all that and I was no out idea. for like three weeks. And then I got home and, and uh, came out and back into Connecticut and I met my wife. Huh. And uh, my wife now has been my wife for 30 years. So Janet, has Janet. she was she LDS when you met no, her? No, she was not. Mm -hmm. She wasn't really into any religion. Mm -hmm. So what occurred is that she, I taught her Mormon faith, and she joined, and we got married, and then life after that um, kept growing, and we became more serious into the faith. I had we, were, you know, I had trouble with some of the things that I saw mm -hmm. as a missionary. I saw a lot of two-faced missionaries that mm -hmm. troubled me. I mm -hmm. saw a lot of missionaries that were just doing it. For their dad, their parents, out of duty, responsibility, what they were expected to do, mm -hmm. but they didn't have a lot of their uh, belief in it. And, it, and it troubled me what I saw. Mm -hmm. And so I came to the point. I said, "Hey, you know, I'm doing this just volunteer." And and so what happened, literally, is um, I married my wife, and I I came back to the Mormon faith. It troubled me, but it came back, and mm -hmm. we brought our family up for 25 years. Three daughters. Three daughters. Mm -hmm. Beautiful daughters. Yep. Three beautiful daughters. And how many grandkids now? Uh, ten. Uh, ten. Amazing. Yeah. Can you believe that? So. Incredible. Applause. Praise God. One great thing about Dave Bartosowitz is, as you can tell, he's gregarious. He's an open book. He And, yeah. and I, your background now, uh, that solidifies that. Yeah. I mean, you kind of are your own man. Yeah. So what happens next is really why I, I really want yeah. to talk to you. Yeah. So. After the 25 years, then 25 what? years learning you, came to Utah, started after 25 years learning and reading about, since I was born again, mm -hmm. I always was born again and I became a Mormon. Before he was Mormon. Yeah, before I was Mormon, I was always born again. I had Jesus in my life and, and I, I would always say to my wife, we were at church all the time, I said, you know, we don't speak that much about Jesus in this faith and it really concerned and troubled me. It really did. And, and it came to the point where after so many years I started like we were the front rows. I mean, full tithe payers. I was very active in in, in uh, LDS faith temple going, and but it still really concerned me that there was a there is a missing element that I felt that was so important to to have Jesus in mm -hmm. in all your discussions. Mm -hmm. And I felt like you know all the the Mormon thing was all about many times the prophets and Brigham Young and and Joseph Smith and and I just came to the point where I started reading the Word. The Word mm -hmm. of God, and I started mm -hmm. reading um, the Bible, and I started reading the Old Testament. I started reading the New Testament. And I'm like, something's wrong. There's a lot of error here, mm -hmm. and I came to the point where it, it, it then I started reading you, mm -hmm. and I started going, you know, learning about you. I would leave the LDS Church, and I would come to see you, and you would teach a lot, and you brought a lot more of my awareness about God, mm -hmm. about the gospel, about who Jesus was, and it um, it came to the point I had to make a decision, mm -hmm. and that that decision literally was. I, I promised my wife I would go to the Mormon church just for sacrament meeting, but then I was going to go to the Christian church. But I'll never forget, um, they had a ward conference, and you were, remember, I, I, you had to put your hands up and support uh, the, and, you know, support <laughs> all the apostles and, and everything, put your hand up, and, and you had to believe it. And I was like, my hand's not going up. <laughs> and at that point, I told my wife, it wasn't, every hand is up, and my hand's down. Oh. And I'm like, okay, this is not going to work. Yeah. I can't be here anymore. So I told her, I said, it's done. I can't be here anymore. And so at that point, 
then I made a full commitment to go and become a Christian mm. and, um, and follow, you know, follow that path and follow that direction. Couple quick things. In terms of Christianity, man sold out for Christ. Always has, ever since I've known him, yeah. sold out, uh, gregarious for Christ. But that has not prohibited him yeah. from uh, being who he is. Yes. And there's, this is, now it's going to start getting interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. well, I have to explain oh, what I happened. I got to say afterwards. one more thing. He, he, will, he will beat me up if I, okay. He is also very entrepreneurial. Yeah. So he, he likes to take what he loves and he wants to make it really work. I mean, it's his nature. Yeah. So what did you do very with Very passionate about that, yeah. You came I out. Mean, I was an entrepreneur. I was very, I, you know, you're right. I had like four or five different companies, had over 100 employees, yeah. did very well, financially successful, doing all that stuff. But once I came out, I felt like the missing element that I felt from the beginning is have you experienced Jesus? Mm. Do they know what it means to experience Jesus? And that was the beginning of the show. Um, after you left, and, and there was a slot available, and mm -hmm. I, you left, I can't believe, I can't, I can't remember, what was 2013. it? 2013, first, first. Was it, third, was it like January? End of 2012, yeah, January okay. 2013. So it's 12, and, and yeah. so I basically came up with the show, Have You Experienced Jesus? And I wanted to go just to, to a show not Mormonism or anything like that, but I just wanted to interview people who were born again mm. and, and let those people who were born again to share their experience. And I wanted Mormons to say, oh my gosh, they have something I don't have. Mm -hmm. And so I did that. I did a, a number of shows like that. I did about 10 shows mm. um, on Channel 20. And then God revealed you should do interviews mm. with LDS people going out and showing the differences right you know raw material right there on the streets mm -hmm. uh interviewing mormons and and i interviewed pretty close to 500 mormons wow and over 500 christians of all different faiths wow and so i did about 320 shows of that for five and a half years mm. and developed a very big you know uh youtube channel and great fruit yeah great fruit a lot of fruit coming even today mm -hmm. i mean every ask my wife i mean people call me up from africa to mm -hmm. to india to australia all over the world mm -hmm. and um and just accept christ and they mm -hmm. left mormonism so i'm a schmuck you know like you're a schmuck right not but, as big of a schmuck no i'm just no. kidding <laughs> <laughs> he's like my brother so i yeah. have to give him this yeah. stuff yeah, no, no, I know, but we know we're, we're, but we love the Lord. Yeah, and so the reality is that it was a very big, um, big experience with God. And many times I'd fall on my knees, crying, mm -hmm. um, couldn't believe that this was going on, that people were coming to the Lord. I know that some viewers right now, Doreen, if you're watching, I know that you, you are, um, you're one of those, as well as Russell. I'm sure Russell's watching. A number of people who have uh, come to the Lord because of uh, them getting rid of the bondage of Mormonism to a relationship with Christ. Mm. Incredible, mm. I loved it. It's so amazing fruit all still over. Still bearing fruit, still out there, his videos yeah. are all over. Tens and tens of thousands of thousands on his videos, people watching, yeah. and that's helped yeah. bring with, you know, what Earl and Warren and yeah. Doris and you and me and, and the video presence yeah. online Huge. has helped bring Mormonism where it is today. It is, yeah. yeah. And a lot of people are leaving, a lot of people are coming to know the Lord through yeah. it. And yeah. so praise God for all that. So now I want to get to the big the Yeah, big yeah, yeah, yeah. So then what? Then what? <laughs> so I came to the point where, uh, you know, I, I'm concerned about Mormons who are becoming, as you have here, atheists, 
a lot of atheists. Um, Far too many. Too many. And it troubles me. Mormonism is all about, they have to, they think, I have to be a part of a true church. I have to be this, connected to this church. And when they found out that the church was not true, what happened to many? They would say, I'm throwing baby out of the bathwater. I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to believe in God. I don't want to believe in Jesus. I was, I was basically deceived and I'm never going to be deceived again because I am, I am hateful for what all the money, the time, effort and everything. So I'm done. And we have about 70% of all Mormons who leave former Mormons, you know, coming into agnostics and atheism. It's a horrible, horrible thing. Horrible. So for me, I started really evaluating that more and more and more. Now I know that Mormonism has this sort of view that if it's not um, the true church, in their views, they think, I don't want a part of it. I'm not going to just be an evangelical Jesus, mm -hmm. although a lot of people have. Yeah. A lot have. Mm -hmm. But there is a sizable amount that haven't. Far too um, many. A lot of evangelical, we, you know, as, as Protestants, evangelicals, born-agains, we try to do our best in trying to just bring Jesus, but that's their mindset, right? Right. So I started thinking about, I wanted to research and do information and, and give an opportunity to go back to the ancient church the actual ancient church. I believe there's an ancient church. I mean, many of us who are, who are Protestant evangelical, what happens? We, a lot of us, we go from Luther on. Mm -hmm. We don't go from Luther before, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I started saying, well, if I'm an American, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I believe this wholeheartedly, when every, every one of you who is American, you studied in school, your history of the foundation, the founding fathers of America, whether whatever you know country you belong to it's just not America if you're in Japan or whatever you study the history of your your country but how many and I started thinking evaluating this how many of us Christians really go back to the beginnings of Christianity mm. which is an issue great point I think we need to do that that's our duty and our responsibility and if we don't I believe we come we become very ignorant I really do. So it led me back to the ancient church. And I started really researching the apostolic fathers, you know, Polycarp, Clement, Ignatius. And I started, inter I started learning about, like, hey, is there something real about this? Is this are these churches still around? Hmm. You know, because I was taught as a Mormon that many of these churches, you know, they, they, there's a great apostasy. There is no such thing as really a church mm -hmm. that was established by the apostles. Well, I started finding things differently. I, I realized that there was an apostolic succession and the apostolic succession was, um, was there and it followed with the uh, ordaining of bishops. Mm -hmm. They were overseers mm -hmm. and these overseers would then ordain priests mm -hmm. and deacons and elders. And so I started realizing what, what's going on here? I know that Mormonism had a, a setup like that, mm -hmm. but the setup was completely different. The roles and, you know, deacons were supposed to be married to one wife. Mm -hmm. But they're 12. <laughs> not 12 years old. <laughs> yeah. And the same thing with, you know, uh, bishops are supposed to be married to one wife. The older elders are supposed to be old, mm -hmm. <laughs> not, not 18 year old kids, teenagers. And so I started evaluating all this. And then I started coming to an understanding about the um, Mormonism. Really, I, I became to, to fully understand the heretics in the the ancient church that were coming in mm -hmm. and trying to change a lot of the, the um, 
truths that they, they had, mm -hmm. and there were heresies and heretics going on. And I found out initially that, that many of these heresies were really, a significant amount of these heresies is really the restoration of Mormonism. Mm -hmm. So when you look at Mormonism, I think it's a restoration of these heresies mm -hmm. of the ancient church. And I, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like crazy, you know, pre-existence, the baptism for the dead. There's a lot of things that, that uh, they started believing that were, that were really flushed out and mm -hmm. the ancient church did not believe this. So I believe that, that yes, there, there is a physical church. Mm -hmm. I believe that there's a physical church and I believe that there is also an invisible church. Mm -hmm. I believe the invisible church are the believers of Christ, mm -hmm. but I do believe that there was a physical church that was established um, and still is in existence today. So I go and attend the church of St. Saint, Peter and Paul in Salt Lake City. It's an apostolic church from apostolic doctrine, and it has a lot of the same traditions, mm -hmm. and um, they follow a lot of, of what the apostolic church had. So, so liturgy, on the, Eucharist, all that stuff. On the, uh, uh, we'll I want to talk about those specifics in a second, but yeah. on the outer ring on the board, uh, we have Dave now, and we're going to put, what will I put there? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm actually studying. studying Eastern Orthodoxy. Yeah. Studying Eastern Orthodoxy now. But I think everybody should study Eastern Orthodoxy. I don't think that any Christian that calls himself a Christian, I think we should study Eastern Orthodoxy, sure. the, the original church. Just I think. study everything. I, I think, think we should. So what, is, what are the distinctives that make ruffle the feathers of the evangelical community? I think uh, sola scriptura. When you look at the, the ancient church, they, they, they are the ones that actually put the Bible together. Mm -hmm. And they knew a lot before the Bible was put together. So there was oral traditions, mm -hmm. there was oral theologies. And so there are many, many of the early Christians that, that weren't able to read and write. No. And so they didn't know how to read and write. And so mm -hmm. the, the priests were there, or the bishops were there to, to actually teach the gospel through oral traditions, through iconology, mm -hmm. you know, with icons and so forth. And so they would, they would do a lot of this education to the beginning of the believers through these, these traditions and then these theologies. So they believe that they know the word and can interpret the word because they put the word together. So, so interpretations are okay. different. So Sola Scriptura, which is a Protestant focus, yes. you're That's saying we love the word, but we also need our traditions from... I believe it's, a, it's an error in... Um, when I look at it, and I know there might be some people who are pretty upset with this, but I do believe the Word of God 100%. Mm -hmm. But I think there are interpretations within, you know, you might sure. have one pastor interpreting it differently than another pastor. Sure. How to be saved? Mm -hmm. Do we, are we saved by faith alone, mm -hmm. you know, solely? I mean, and how many, how many solas scriptures are there? There's right. like five solas, and yeah. you know, what part of the solas are really sol? Right. So I believe that, yeah, you, you, can, you can look at that, but I, I really believe that, um, that if you don't have the essence of the beginnings of the traditions and the, the reasons, the whys, then sometimes we're in left field. And you we believe like this is really the case. And I also believe that we go solely on the Bible, which, the Bible's the Word of God, no doubt. Mm -hmm. But if you if you learn about Clement, the early fathers, and why they did things and stuff, I think that's value. Mm -hmm. I don't think we just go poo-poo on it. Mm -hmm. I don't think we just say, oh, forget about it. Mm -hmm. I think it has value and it has interest, and, and, I, and I think there's a lot, I think there's errors sometimes mm -hmm. going on right now with uh, 
I call it Western Christianity. Sure. I think Absolutely. there's errors going on. Without question. Yeah. Uh, I think there's, you mentioned there's iconography, so that's another one. Yeah. What, what are the icons? Okay, the icons that the Eastern Orthodox Church has, you walk into the church, first of all, it feels like a church. You know, it's, you like that. Yeah, I feel like you go, you walk into a church and it feels like a church. Mm -hmm. It has it has all the saints all over the place. Mm -hmm. So these are the saints, these are the martyrs, these are the, the individuals that were in the very beginning of Christianity, the ones that many of us don't even know. We look mm -hmm. at it, we know some of them, mm -hmm. you know, we know some mm -hmm. being Protestant, but there's a number of saints that we don't know. And all of a sudden you learn about them, you go, holy cow, mm -hmm. I had no idea. You know, there's a lot of ignorance in, in the Christian um, especially the Western Christian world, because it's like, we're over here on this date, we're not back 2,000 years ago. And so there's a lot of information and insight, and I'm just growing, I mean, I'm really like this. Sure. When you call like, from, from the knowledge of the 2,000 years, I have, a, I have a limited knowledge, but I have enough knowledge to understand things. But they pray to the saints, that's a thing, they venerate saints. Um, what that basically means is, like, if you're looking, if I'm asking you, Sean, I'm saying, hey, Sean, I love you, I have a, a problem, I'm sick today, and I call you up or text you, I said, will you pray for me? And you'll say, yeah, of course, mm -hmm. Dave, I'd love to pray for you. Well, they do the same thing. They, the saints are, are they, don't, they don't go in a position where they um, are worshiping the saints. Mm -hmm. They don't do that, but they venerate. They ask for the saints to say, you know, I have this. There might be a saint specifically for an illness. And that, that, that saint, they believe is still alive with Christ. Mm -hmm. They believe that that saint can, can hear them. Right. And because the world, the physical and the spirit world is, is really closely connected. Mm -hmm. And so they believe that they ask that saint to pray for them mm -hmm. as well. And so just like I asked you mm -hmm. to pray for me, they ask a saint who might know the hardship I'm going to, to pray for me because they're closer to Christ than we are. Got it. So that's so, what they do. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. My phone uh, lit on fire. I, I don't remember how long ago it was. Yeah. Did Hank Hanegraaff had anything to do with this? Not at all. Okay. As a matter of fact, it was really fascinating because Hank Hanegraaff, um, I was doing these shows with, I call him Father Justin. He's a priest of the Antioch Church mm -hmm. down in Salt Lake City. I was preparing to get an um, interview with him to do shows mm -hmm. on Eastern Orthodoxy. A, a month and a half before Hank Hanegraaff oh, wow. even. Maybe you influenced Hank. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe something was going on there with the mystery maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. of the divine energy. Maybe the saints were getting involved. Divine energy, something <laughs> yeah. was going on. Yeah. Uh, Couple things. Yeah. Uh, okay, so iconography. But again, I'm not. I'm not Orthodox. So I want to. I want. He's not Orthodox. Hasn't been baptized. Orthodox. He's just studying it. I'm studying it. But I'm you did in come it. out and you did you did present something about it that got. Yeah. That's when my phone blew up and yeah. people were calling me and saying, he's, he's gone, gone he's, the lost. Deep end. He's, he's lost, he's lost. You know, I, I, yeah. I, we eat our young. Yeah. We just we do. can't wait oh my gosh, for yeah. someone to do something different so that Christians can just crucify them. I know. They love and it. And you know, I talked about it. I said, oh my gosh, oh. what I'm getting, I can't believe it. Um, you know, just, I, I love the traditions. Yeah. I love going into a church that feels like a church. You're a traditional guy. Yeah, I'm a traditional you guy. You really are. Yeah. He, he's gregarious in things, but he's very traditional. He's a very moral man, actually. Yeah. He doesn't like, uh, he doesn't like, like, uh, yeah. pot smoking, living together. Yeah, no. He doesn't, he never has. Every no. time we've talked, I'm yeah. far more liberal, not that I like those things, but he yeah. is very, so I can see why this would appeal yeah. to you in some ways. Yeah. 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 For me, it's, um, I like the cross. And one of the things that I always I like to do is you, you're crossing yourself. I yeah. think it's very important. You and I both have crosses, yeah. you know? And so we wear our cross, but I also like, 
the sense of when we are, you know, crossing ourselves, we're actually saying to Satan, you know, mm -hmm. flee mm -hmm. many times. Mm -hmm. Do not get tempted. You know, I think that's important. The, yeah. the essence of victory of the cross is very important. So I like the fact that they do that a lot. They mm -hmm. have the cross all over the place. And, um, and I do like some of the traditions they have. They, they, they have traditions where you go in, it's like the ancient church. I mean, it's like walking in, in a church that's 14, you know, 700 years old. Mm. You walk in and it feels old. Mm. And there's history, there's richness, there's incense everywhere. Mm. You know, they're doing the incense and, and, and there's this all bells. There's, there, there's this whole richness of, mm -hmm. of, of something that speaks to my heart. Mm -hmm. I think so, I call lightness, like churches are light mm -hmm. and there's churches that are deep. Oh, I see. And, and so I think when you have an old, old church, mm -hmm. to me, I travel over Europe, I love going to old churches, I like that, and I, I have a, I feel the depth of the, the, the power of spirit in, in that, it feels deep, deeper so, to me. So the criticism that is coming from our more ardent evangelical brothers are, you're, you've, you've embraced uh, heretical faith and all these things that yeah. we say about each other. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah. bottom line, um, I think you, you love need to learn the, the history. I love the Lord 100%. I'm on fire for Jesus. Have you experienced Jesus? I cry. I love the Lord. Yeah. Um, I still worship. And you I'm want to follow him. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. yeah of course. I, I, I'm interrupting him a little bit because it has to be understood. Uh, this man and his wife, uh, they're, they're studying something. Maybe they embrace it. Maybe they get baptized. And maybe Dave and, and they pray to the saints or whatever. But we have needs in us, who yeah. knows? Maybe his Catholic upbringing, yeah. maybe the alcoholism in his family, maybe this order is really tied deep into yeah. him. And who has the right to say he does not, uh, he's not a Christian, he's not saved, yeah. he's going to hell, yeah. he, he needs to be uh, ripped apart. Who has the right to do that? Yeah. Nobody, and yet so many think they can. Yeah. It blows I my know. mind. I know. Yeah, I know, and I, I appreciate you. You, I mean it, defending me on that. Yeah. thank you so much. Um, the the thing that you know, for some, and I see this so often, and this is one of the reasons why I got into studying orthodoxy. I want to continue with Mormonism, is because I think that if Mormonism knew more about the Orthodox faith and knew that there wasn't an apostasy mm. in it, that they would more be more linked with the atheists, maybe to turn over mm. and consider orthodoxy. Mm -hmm. Now, I know there's some people who say, well, you're bringing him to hell, you're bringing him to pagan witchcraft, mm -hmm. all that. Mm -hmm. I got all that. I said, no, it's not. I mean, you're going to go to the very beginning church and call them witchcraft and pagan. I mean, come on, let's okay. be serious. Um, you know, and, and so my attitude simply is if we could bring many former LDS who are atheists into orthodoxy, praise God. Mm -hmm. They could still love the Lord. They could still pray to the Lord. They know that he exists. They believe, we believe in the same gospel, guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the same, same mm -hmm. God, the same you know, gospel that we, we talk about. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's not like you know, having a regional manager God and <laughs> of Mormonism and all that other stuff. What about the it's, criticism? I just have to bring this one on. I don't know yeah, orthodoxy, but what about the criticism that people called me about and said, it's works-based? Yeah, I think, and I've done some shows on that with, with Deacon John, and, um, and you could go to that. They, they believe that there is grace always. There's always grace. Divine energies, God is there always within our lives. But they also believe that, that it's important to practice your faith. Mm. I think that's an error in, in Christianity, mm -hmm. that there are far too many Christians 
who say they're Christian, but they don't practice their faith mm. and their faith doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So there's this connective force going on with their works and with fasting and with their sacraments and confessing mm. and doing all that to become more sanctified mm. within in the uh, body of Christ, mm -hmm. and, I, and, I, and I see it. They're very humble. Mm -hmm. That's, I'll tell you, one of the th reasons you want to know why I'm, I'm interested in orthodoxy, and honestly, uh, you know, we're men. We're egotistical, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Especially you and I, mm -hmm. and, you know, we're out in the front. We're, we're talking to people. We're, we're doing what we're doing, and, and we have somewhat of a head, mm -hmm. like, oh, look at me. And I, and I don't want to, you know, I don't like to ever do that, but mm -hmm. I know we are fallible. We, we, we are you know, we have our own ways of thinking. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of times I'm not humble, you know, mm -hmm. and humility is important in, mm -hmm. in one's uh, sanctification. And I believe that orthodoxy, to me, what I've seen, mm -hmm. that is a faith where I could be a lot more humble. I see. And so I, I need to have that. It works for you. Yeah, I need to have that more. Yeah. That's, uh, I do. Good you would, yeah. It's and good you would And I need to have a little more structure. That. Okay. And I need to have more structure and, and a spiritual father and, and confession. And I've seen that, and, I, and, I, and I'm like, for myself, that's, that's important. But it's all centered with Christ, but the sanctification of my soul becomes more humble by doing some of those things. It's not like I have to, and they don't require it, and they're not saying, if you don't do this, 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 and this, you're not going to get to heaven. They don't, they don't believe that. Mm. But they also believe that in order to be a true disciple, mm -hmm. we should be a, a, sure. obedient and, and follow, rather than just say, hey, I... You know, I, I'm a Christian, but I'm going to go do this and this and this, and not really be connected. I think I think yeah. more than 90% of the New Testament is talking about that following more than it talks about Follow. the saving. Yeah. It talks about the following, I almost agree. all of it. Yeah. So I can't help but agree. Two things: uh, you believe in the visible church. You also believe in the invisible church. So if somebody I believe in the physical church, physical, and I believe in the uh, invisible. invisible. Yeah. So if somebody doesn't in their life feel the need to have the things that uh, come through orthodoxy yeah uh, and they are solo scriptura no they're just solo so <laughs> a solo himself. believer yeah yeah uh, that's fine with you yeah it doesn't bother me yeah i see and so if they want to be you know a christian hanging out in their home and reading the gospel and mm -hmm. they feel like they're they're good then mm -hmm. they're good I don't, yeah. i'm not going to judge them yeah um, but i for myself for you I believe that you know I need I need something a little bit more structured. Yeah, and I, and I and I and more accountability. I see. You know, uh, this is really fascinating, uh, and I just want to say this. I don't know where are we. Are? Okay, we still have time. If you know me, you know that there is probably nobody on earth, and I swear this is not uh, hubris, more diametrically opposed to what Dave is saying here. Uh, than myself. Yeah. I am completely a deconstruction of all religion. And, and, but w simultaneously, in order for my view to be able to exist and, and be able to be accepted, I have to, it's incumbent upon me as a believer in Christ and follower to accept my brother yeah. and let him do what he believes is necessary for his walk. That's called the subjective Christian experience, not the objective, you must do it this way. Yeah. And so many people who criticize Dave and criticize me and, and others who are like us 
say, no, 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 no. You have to be a Calvinist. Yeah. You have to be a this. You, Dave, you have, and how come they're not yeah. getting it? What are they missing, Dave? I think they're missing the, the um, part that, and, and, I, and I really, especially with Calvinism, you know, um, the part that, hey, you know, it's okay. Mm. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Like you, mm. I'm not going to tell a person that they shouldn't do this and this and this. Mm -hmm. It's okay if they want to do this. Yeah. If they are connected to Christ, and you've declared that many times to me, you know, Dave, mm -hmm. his heart is for Christ. Yeah. Uh, five and a half years, um, thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of talking to people to do the videos, to do the shows, sweating and doing all yeah. this. If, uh, if I didn't love Christ, I would never have done it. And I, and I told you, you know, in all the years of five and a half years, I think I had donations about $35,000 for yeah. five and a half years, which is, for some, it's, it's good, but you know, mm -hmm. I also, that, I had to take care of my life for that, and that's not a lot of money for five and a half mm -hmm. years. And I use a lot of my own uh, wealth, uh, wealth and savings too, but I don't care about that. Mm -hmm. the, my, my issue is that, that I really did it because I love the Lord, mm -hmm. and I see the fruit of, of the people who have really come to know the Lord through the ministry, which you have too. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I know, Earl, you have too. Mm -hmm. And so it's, um, it blows me away. I mean, it blows me away how people are going to you, sitting in the room in the dark night, and they're on the YouTube, and they're like, wow, wow. And, mm -hmm. you know, they're experiencing. Christ. Give a pitch. Give, a, give for where you are right now with yeah. orthodoxy. Yeah. Give a pitch for those who are uh, coming out of Mormonism, looking into more. Uh, yeah. uh, give a pitch why they might consider. Orthodoxy? Yeah. If you, if you feel like if you walk into a, a church that doesn't make you feel like it's, it's church, which there are a lot of churches out there, non-denominational churches, it, just, it doesn't feel right. It, you feel like, yeah, it's okay, but I'm not, I'm not sure if it's going to really reach me the way I want to be reached. Mm -hmm. Check out Orthodoxy because you walk in that church, an Orthodox church, it's consistent. What's awesome, I gotta tell you, this is awesome. This is, you'll be, it's a unity of faith. Mm. I'll tell you why. They do the um, Lord's Prayer. Mm. And so they go, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I will be, you know, they, they go through the whole process. So the priest says, Okay, I want to hear the Lord's Prayer. All of a sudden, we say in English. The next person, he goes, Okay, Romanian. And the person is there. It's the whole body Romanian, mm. Serbian. They say the mm. Lord's Prayer, Portuguese. Spanish. Everybody is in unity with the Lord's Prayer, but they're all different languages all over, mm. and the whole body is speaking mm. the Lord's Prayer separately. Mm. So it has power. It has deliverance. And they also are in the, the Nicene Creed. They believe the, they all say it in the same vocal one voice mm. of belief. Mm. So there is that sense of when you walk, you walk in, you look, you see it, you see the saints, you, you really evaluate it, and you sense these saints have done so much for the beginning of Christianity, I feel like they're looking after me in mm. an essence. And Christ is everywhere. And another big thing is Mary. Mm. I think the biggest error that we have in Christianity is that we do not bless Mary. We don't look at her as, as a blessed woman who is, you know, I mean, you know, the gospel says you're sola scriptura. What does it say in Luke? Mm. Do you know what it says? No idea. Tell me. It, she was supposed to be blessed among generations, the, mm. the woman of, among generations. Mm. That generation upon generation, we should be, you know, blessing her. We, she should be a part 
of our church, our, our, our discussion sometimes. Mm. I never speak, I never see mm. any Christianity talk about Mary. Mm. Never, never. And, uh, and that's a concern for me. Mm -hmm. That's a concern. Um, I mean, I love the Lord with all my heart, but you gotta realize that Mary also was who? She, it was her DNA that made God in flesh. Mm. And so she has a very substantial part in the gospel of Christ. I think to just eliminate her and say, no, we don't want to talk about her. Mm. I think that's an error right there. In orthodoxy, is Mariology, does it include praying to her? You pray to her for asking her to, to pray, you know, if you have an issue, but it's not uh, a worship. They don't worship. The Roman Catholic Church worships Mary more. I see. There's a difference between Eastern Orthodoxy mm -hmm. and Roman Catholicism. Mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of people know that. I mean, do you want me to share that a little bit? You yeah, were talking I can about touch on the it. schism. The, the thing that I've learned is this. The, the first five churches that really the apostles started was the Church of Constantinople, the Church of Antioch. You know, you remember mm -hmm. in Acts, sure. you've done, I've been with you many times. Sure. I mean, you know what they were called. Mm -hmm. At the Church of Antioch, they were called Christians. Christians. Yeah. yeah. So the Church of Antioch was, was Paul, mm -hmm. right, and Peter. Mm -hmm. And so they organized it, and we have that still today. But the Church of Jerusalem, mm -hmm. the Church of Rome, mm -hmm. and the Church of Alexandria. Mm -hmm. And so these were the actual five churches that were started by the apostles. Now, the Church of Rome, you had, it was started by uh, bishops, organized as bishops, mm -hmm. and bishops had the, basically the vote. There's not one person who came and said, okay, it's my way or the highway, mm -hmm. right? It's like a prophet. Mormonism says, hey, it's one man saying mm -hmm. what he needs to say because he has a declaration or revelation from God. And Roman Catholicism, they came and because Rome, I'm Italian, I'm Italian, and Rome is what? Mm -hmm. You go there, it was a superpower. And so the bishop of Rome felt like he should have more power, say, and authority than a lot of the other smaller communities mm -hmm. in the East. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was, they went to popes. They started going to popes. And there was a schism in 1054 mm -hmm. that the, they became a papacy, mm -hmm. right? And they separated from the other four churches. Mm -hmm. And basically what happened was they were in a position, they said, we're going to excommunicate the patriarch of the Church of Constantinople, <laughs> sent a letter, and they switched it. And they said, no, we're excommunicating you. They excommunicated each other, right? Did. And that was a schism that occurred. Um, that, that's actually what, what happened, but the laying, the governing body of it was, was bishops, and all the bishops had to come together and vote and in, in, in make it, uh, you know, clear what they voted for. Can you articulate the Eucharist? I can. And, yeah. and I know it's pivotal. Yeah. Pivotal in Roman Catholicism as well. Well, if you read John 6, they really believe John 6, and so John 6, the chapter, talks about um, the literal eating of Jesus's flesh and, and blood. So Roman Catholics, as well as the Eastern Orthodox, they take that literally. They don't take it figuratively. Um, and so they really believe that it transforms into, in a mysterious way, the Eastern Orthodox, in a mysterious way when they're doing it, right? When they're mm -hmm. putting the, the actual um, blessing, the the bread and, and, and the wine, mm -hmm. when they're putting it together, that transforms through their prayers. And so incense is a very big thing, and I know Malachi 1.11, it talks about that. Mm -hmm. This is from sunrise to sunset, mm -hmm. that incense will be a you know, part of the Gentiles, and mm -hmm. the Gentiles will come to know the Lord mm -hmm. and have a pure offering. So they really believe that that's a prophecy 
of anybody who has a church should have incense. Is it through uh, priestly yeah. uh, prayers that the transubstantiation yeah. occurs? Yeah, it's done by liturgy and priestly prayers and by incense. They believe the incense brings the spiritual, the Holy Spirit too. Mm -hmm. And they're very serious about it. Um, sure. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you how serious they are. That if a priest, after they put it together and they have confession and those who are lady comes and, and, and participates in the Eucharist, mm -hmm. that if a, if a baby spits out the Eucharist, they believe that that's the body and the blood, the priest stops everything. And he will go down and suck it into his mouth. Mm. That, that's how important it is. Mm. And after everybody eats the, the, the Eucharist, um, if anything le is left over, they don't throw it away. They, they eat it, the priests. Mm. They believe it's, they don't throw anything away. They really, really believe it. And they believe it so much. And it kind of freaked me out when I first saw it. It wasn't my wife. And there we were. And they do it. And, you know, they have the priests and the deacons and they're, giving it and all of a sudden they have one spoon hmm. so they have a spoon and they're giving and you see the kids are you know sick mm -hmm. and it's all the same spoon wow. and they they're eating from the same spoon everybody is eating from the same and they don't wipe the spoon that's communal it's communal and I thought to myself I, I mean, I'll never forget I said to my wife so oh my gosh mm. I mean all these people who are sick for the day <laughs> I mean, they're passing all these germs everywhere, right? So I, I actually talked to somebody in the back, and I talked to them specifically about this, and I said, don't you guys ever get sick? I mean, you're passing all these, these germs? He says, no, it's completely pure with the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And no one gets sick. And I've, I've heard a lot of stories from people who can't eat bread, and they get sick by eating any bread and they don't get sick when they're taking the Eucharist and no one gets sick. So it's fascinating, it's fascinating. So a question before we wrap it up, I'll let Dave wrap this up for us, but uh, the, the, the question I have, because I know what he's talking about uh, tonight will unravel some people's brains. I know they will be like, the man has slipped off the deck. Yeah. It, it, but they say that about me too, I, I get it. But yeah. uh, here's the question I have. People come out of Mormonism. You want them to go to uh, atheistic human, uh, humanism? Universalism. You, you want them to be uh, whatever, all, th all roads lead to God? Or would you want uh, that person, if they have that personal need, to become more uh, liturgical and be involved in, in the things that Dave is talking about, who love the Lord? You're talking about a devout people. Yeah, devout. Yeah. Community community and they live they live the they sanctified live life every day so I mean yeah. now the question I have is Dave what's the difference then between what you have embraced and Mormonism because I don't believe that Mormonism has any foundation I see to what I've learned with the ancient church so the tie historical ties and the proofs for the yeah, early the proofs, fathers yeah all that is that's is what historical does facts and I, I, see. I have I have more of a basis of truth okay. of the historical events and things that took place compared to a man-made I, I believe it was more God-made yeah that makes that makes sense yeah. so what you've proven to me at least is that you've said listen I want something that will give me stability and that has morals. Mormonism, yeah. you did that. Yeah. But you said, I, I want something real here. So I'm going to tap into something that has legs yeah. and not just some system to keep me good. Yeah. I yeah. see. Yeah. You're right. That's awesome. exactly right. Any final thoughts? Um, you know, I just want to let everybody know I, I, 
certainly there's been many who have, um, you know, really loved my ministry and I'm so thankful that I've been participating in it. I might go in a different direction um, in, in doing other things, but I love the Lord and uh, I don't expect that, you know, if you think I'm, I'm a lost candidate for, for Christ, I'm, I really am not. I, I really have uh, come to believe more in, in things that I need to become like more sanctified. And I think sometimes when there's not as much structure for me, mm-hmm. I have a tendency to, um, you know, not to be as committed. Mm-hmm. You're committed, but not as committed. Mm-hmm. So I think for structure for me, that's why I like the Orthodox faith. It's really humble of you to admit that. Yeah. You know, a lot of men wouldn't. Yeah. So uh, yeah. love you, brother. Thanks, Thanks for being on. You've yeah. really added to uh, you. what we're talking about here. God bless you next week. Delaney McCraney here on Heart of the Matter. Thanks, <laughs> Thank you.